Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. Colt McCoy against Brett Rippon. That's what we're going to get on Sunday, the battle of the backup quarterbacks. It's also a battle of two teams who have struggled mightily this season, a season in which there were high expectations. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 625, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Far from the marquee matchup here in Week 15, but it is the matchup that we have before us, Paul, and that is the 4-9 Arizona Cardinals at the 3-10 Denver Broncos, two teams that desperately need a win, and two teams, if you go back to all of the narratives in the offseason and training camp, expected opposite records, yeah. really 9-4 and four and 10-3, and three, especially if you look at the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go back to August, this that really is, right? December is the new August right now because based on where you are, in the playoff race on the outside looking in, it's sort of back to our theme during the preseason games, right? The games might not count, but they matter. And that's sort of where both teams are right now, considering everything. And yeah, I mean, this is why every single year, agree. there are at least four new playoff teams. That's why almost 50% of the playoff field changes out year to year. That is life in the NFL. It is inherently unpredictable. Nobody ever would have thought that these sort of seasons were awaiting the Cardinals and the Broncos. Not after the Broncos went all in and traded for Russell Wilson and paid him $245 million. Right now, the Broncos are picking number two, except one problem. It's not their pick. It belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. It has not gone well for the Broncos, has not gone well for the Cardinals. And to add all of this up, we are going to get the battle of the backups on Sunday at a power field at Mile High. 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. You have Colt McCoy and Brett Rippon as your QB1s for the respective teams. Although I'll say this, and I'll give the Denver Broncos credit because on Friday, head coach Nathaniel Hackett said, yes, Russell Wilson did clear concussion protocol, but, quote, as an organization, we've decided to give him another week, end quote. Hackett did add that Wilson was not happy with the organization's decision, but Paul, to me, it would have been irresponsible to have Wilson on the field on Sunday. Just the optics of him taking that big hit near the goal line where he took off, he tucked it and ran it, and then all of a sudden it looked like he was unconscious for a few moments. Just the visuals, the tight shot from the TV cameras, I agree. You know, what sort of message are you sending if he's back in? Now, he could be perfectly fine to play, but look, especially considering the situation, hit zoom out, and what's more important at this point? A meaningless game outside the playoff chase for the Denver Broncos or the health, the health of any player, much less your franchise quarterback, and the guy you're still going to build around 
for seasons to come. They really have no choice. It's not like they can part ways with Russell Wilson, who has underwhelmed this year in so many different ways. The Broncos fans have been booing the Broncos at home. There's a lot of disdain for the trade and obviously what the offense looks like. And most figure there will be change in the offseason for Denver. But you know, this is something you just don't mess around with. Not in 2022. Too much is known. Uh, too much has already been discussed with the NFL PA. So I'm with you. I, I, you know, in some ways he passed. Great, good news for Russell. But you're going to make sure that you know what you double the wait time just in case. Err on the side of caution. So again, a tip of the cap to the Broncos for their decision. So again, you're going to have Brett Rippon making his third career start against Colt McCoy, who will be making his third start this season for the Cardinals. And when you just look at the resumes between these two quarterbacks and what we know and don't know, there is much more known with Colt McCoy than there is with Brett Rippon, especially when you consider what happened earlier this season, beating the Rams, losing to the 49ers in Mexico City. But I am confident, and that's why I think it's so important to have a quality backup quarterback. You hope to never see them. But if you do need one for, what, three, four, and in the case now, much more than that, he's going to end up playing the last four games of this season, six overall. But you want someone who is capable of handling the offense, and we've seen, Paul, Cole McCoy can handle this Cardinals offense. You go around the locker room, like I know you do, and, and guys will tell you, look, in 12, we trust. They they totally believe in, in a Cole McCoy who really is a player coach in so many different ways, and not just his position or the offense. He's always helping guys out. Antonio Hamilton told a great story in the Big Red Rage recently of how Cole McCoy identified something that Ham was getting beat on consistently, and then other teams were targeting him on. They saw something in his technique, and Hamilton was able to remedy that, and so that was a great benefit. Cliff Kingsbury has talked up Cole McCoy. In fact, he, he said only half-jokingly earlier this week that Colt's someone who could step in and take his job tomorrow. That's how knowledgeable he is about the NFL. And if you go in recent Cardinals history, if you look at a Kurt Warner and a Carson Palmer, their job description went so far beyond just playing quarterback on game day. They were instrumental and integral to the game planning process. That's Colt McCoy. Game plan doesn't go in until Colt weighs in. That's the way it works. And then just the ability to direct things at practice. Carson Palmer, once upon a time, used to run the Friday practice himself. It was basically a walkthrough for Bruce Aarons, and B.A. would just outsource it. Carson Palmer, he, he was the voice that was running that whole practice, at least on the offensive side. So that's Cole McCoy when you watch practice. He is that guy. So you know he's going to be decisive. He's going to know where to go with the ball. You can't do very much to confuse him. Hollywood Brown said as much. And, and, and guys will tell you, there's not much. In New England tried. They really tried on Monday night. There was nothing that he saw post-snap that he was seeing pre-snap. New England kept changing things up. The difference, as we've discussed, Craig, is that, guess what? That was a Kyler Murray game plan. Now three plays into the game, Colt McCoy comes in. The difference is this week you're going to have a full week of reps. You're going to have a Colt McCoy-specific game plan as to what he does well. So it should look different, I would think, than it did Monday night. I went back to Colts' first two starts this season, beating the Rams and then losing to the 49ers, and you go back to the win, first of all, in that game plan. We all expected more of a conservative approach, run the ball, hopefully get a lead, and what happened? 
The game started with 11 consecutive pass attempts. That's right. McCoy completed, or I should say finished, with 37 pass attempts, 27 of which were in the first half. You get the lead, then all of a sudden, okay, now we'll dial it back and rely on the ground game. Now, that Rams defense, pretty capable. The following week, the 49ers defense, much better, and you couldn't really use that same game plan curious now when you look at this Broncos defense number four scoring defense in the league what is the game plan for Colt McCoy is it that quick game is it something completely different James Conner is running more effectively than we've seen for much of this season how do the Cardinals get back in that win column against a Broncos team that can't do anything offensively but is very stout defensively and that's a great question because what is Denver going to do defensively? You talk to guys in the locker room, and the Broncos have really used a lot of man cover, which the Cardinals have not seen a lot of this year. Most teams are going with a too-high safety, soft-shell coverage, giving the Cardinals anything and everything underneath, making them sustain extended drives. Can the Cardinals do it without beating themselves, without making those mistakes that derail the drive, get behind the sticks? That's what most teams have done. But Denver is known with a cornerback like Patrick Sertan and a really talented secondary of being aggressive in that way and getting up in receivers' faces. So very curious from the get-go. One of the reasons they started with 11 straight passes against the Rams is because they saw on film the Rams' corners were giving a tremendous amount of cushion. So, like, you know what? If you're going to give us five yards on first down and make it second down and manageable, third down and short, we'll take it every single time. And they forced, and you saw it especially in the second half, you saw the Rams come out of their initial game plan and go with a lot more press man cover. So what is Denver going to do? Randy Gregory is going to play. Obviously, they're minus Bradley Chubb, who got traded away earlier in the year. You know, the Cardinals' offensive line can't pick up where it left off against New England, giving up four sacks in that fourth quarter. But at that point, the Cardinals' offense was one-dimensional. They had gotten behind by two scores. They really went to the pass game. The pass rushers just pinned their ears back. So I agree with you. You know what? Even if you are down 10 or 14 points, don't abandon the run game. James Conner averaged six yards a carry. So if you can stay patient and stay balanced, I think that'll be big. Broncos defensively much better against the pass than they are against the run. Number seven against the pass, number 17 against the run, and it goes back to what you were talking about, that secondary led by Patrick Sertan. you got two quality safeties in Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, and they've got size in that secondary as well. What do you do from the Broncos' standpoint with the DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, their continuing chemistry and forcing defense to go, all right, are you going to go man or are you going to put that safety over the top on one side or the other? And then do we see more uh, perhaps Robbie Anderson, A.J. Green, Greg Dortch only played four snaps on Monday against the Patriots, which was eyebrow-raising. But if you're alternating Hollywood and D-Hop inside and outside, maybe there's less snaps for Dortch. And you're right, Robbie Anderson obviously earned more playing time. He he looked really good. I mean, you know, a lot of Cardinals fans, and rightfully so, are saying, finally, but they got some real production out of him. And I think he built up some confidence as well. Just watching the body language, seeing him in the sideline, you could tell. He's like, okay, here we go. Now he finally feels, I think, part of the offense and he's playing without thinking, and and he's making those catches. Yeah, the Greg Dortch is a no comprendo. When Dortch gets four snaps, and A.J. Green gets 45. I get it. Dorch is more of an inside guy. I get that. But if you're trying to get your best playmakers out on the field, 
I mean, Dorch in space, just get them the ball, especially if you're forced to work the underneath game, if they're playing those soft-shell coverages. We saw him take it to the 49ers in Mexico City. How many times they get him the ball underneath, and he's making the first guy miss? He's a return man. He, he prides himself on that. So love to see more of that of Greg Dorch. And then there's the Hollywood Brown dynamic. It was the first game he'd ever played with Colt McCoy. It showed at times. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement when it comes to that chemistry between Colt and Hollywood Brown. They had all week to practice. Colt got the reps, unlike the week before. So we'll see. We'll see if that's something. Because once again, if over these last four games, you can get D-Hop and Hollywood Brown in sync and really get a sense of how that's going to work, get their chemistry together, and then how can you leverage that against the defense? You've heard Cliff Kingsbury say, hey, if only the Cardinals had Zach Ertz, there's so much room to work out there now with both Hollywood and D-Hop out on the field. Well, guess what? Trey McBride needs to be that guy. A couple weeks ago, Kyler Murray said it. He said, we got to – and he did. He, he told the media it was his welcome to the NFL moment when he got blasted on that one catch against the Patriots. So uh, hopefully that starts a good trend here because McBride was productive on Monday night. Cliff mentioned on Friday that Trey McBride is playing faster, meaning he's not thinking as much. Now we need to see the results, but I wonder having him go back to Colorado, family and friends in attendance. He addressed the media this week, said he grew up a Broncos fan, watched a lot of games at what was then Mile High Stadium. Can this be a breakout game after he had his welcome to the NFL moment on Monday Night Football? He got popped and still was able to hang on to that football. And you talk about even that moment, a confidence boost for a young tight end who was in a spot that I don't think the Cardinals planned for him to be in because, yeah, Zach Ertz is going to be healthy. Max Williams is available. Steven Anderson you kind of drafted Trey McBride with an eye towards the future because of the uncertainty with Williams' health, and then all of a sudden Zach Ertz is done for the season, and McBride tap on that shoulder, you're in, kid. He was also penalty-prone early in the year. He really drew a lot of flags, and I, I, there was some frustration associated with that. So he's eliminated that from his game. You know, how many rookies, it takes him half a season, two-thirds of a season to really get it into gear. He, he definitely falls into that category. There's still a lot of room for improvement at the point of attack. You know, chipping, blocking, pass protection, even the run game, they need that out of them. When you're a second-round tight end, the top tight end taken in this last draft, you need to be a dual tight end. And, and they saw that on film. They need to see more of that at this level. I know talking to Max Williams, we had him on the Big Red Rage a good two months ago, and, and he said Trey McBride is definitely capable. So everyone has a bit of a different learning curve. You know, it was even interesting on Hard Knocks, was it not, to hear about J.J. Watt and him sharing some of his travails as a rookie. And then Vance Joseph talked about it this week, that J.J. Watt is a first-round pick with the Houston Texans. Vance Joseph was on that staff. J.J. really struggled. And to hear J.J. tell it, he said, you know what, it got to the point where I was trying to please this coach or please that coach, and finally I said, I... And he said, I, my game was stinking anyway. Why not go ahead and just do it my way? What do I have to lose at this point? And that's the point. That really was a turning point. And then Vance Joseph said he put together a game in his playoff debut, that wild card playoff game that year, and that J.J. Watt did things he'd never seen a defensive lineman do before. And boom, his career was off and running, three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Cam Thomas told a similar story on the Big Red Rage about that, Craig, about now, just recently, it was actually in camp. It was late in camp. He had gone a four- or five-day stretch, hadn't made any plays, and he got embarrassed by an offensive lineman, got driven back into the play. He's like, this can't happen. This isn't me. 
and he decided to to cut it loose himself. And he's been on a slow build, slow progression ever since. So, uh, you know, you can gain things that will carry over into next season. No, not momentum, but on a player-by-player basis, there are gains to be made. Some positive moments, that confidence that can translate and go from one season to the next season, and that's what you want to see over these next four games. But if the Cardinals on offense are going to be successful on Sunday, you talk about Colt McCoy and the receivers. There is going to be a new addition to the offensive line, which should help when we talk about pass protection. It's an old, familiar face, Will Hernandez, who's been on IR, is expected to be activated and available this week after missing the last four games with a chest injury. You plug him back into right guard, or perhaps Paul, and this was never really asked of anyone, but because Will has played predominantly in his career left guard, do you really want to see something from the left side with Will Hernandez over these last four games? Yes, he's going to be a free agent. Is he part of the future on this team? Justin Pugh, what's his future? He contemplated retirement at the end of last season. Does he do it again after this season? Again, just throwing it out there, my guess it will be right guard because you don't want a bunch of moving pieces. But when you're talking about what do we have from players coming back or we would like to come back, where do they fit in this massive puzzle, whether it's offense or defense? Well, in the offensive line, correct me if I'm wrong, the only regular – and I say regular, meaning the first seven or eight guys because they played so many, 12 different guys have played this year. The only one under contract is DJ Humphreys. Correct. So you have a lot of questions up Rod- front. Rodney Hudson is, but I think yeah. I think that's with an asterisk. Yeah. And I'm let's be honest, Paul, we're, I, that I guess, ship is sailed. Yeah. There, there's a better likelihood of me walking outside and dunking a <laughs> basketball than the Cardinals getting another season out of Rodney Hudson. Boy, let's, I'd love to see that so, right now. Again, that's not going to happen. Neither one I don't think is going to happen. So, yes, and that is an astute observation because if Will Hernandez, even after a season of playing right guard, is still more comfortable because he played four years of left guard with the Giants and you're going to be starting from scratch in that offensive line, be everybody next to DJ Humphreys going to the right, then guess what? Maybe you put him where he does play his best, where he's most comfortable. You heard Josh Jones talk about how much more comfortable he is at left tackle, that he's just that much more aggressive. He doesn't have to think, and he just it feels like home to him. So that's an interesting dynamic in and of itself, what happens when DJ Humphreys comes back, because Josh Jones is a better player at left tackle. Um, but with that in mind, yeah, Will Hernandez, four games left. Big question, what is his future? Is it with the Cardinals? There are nearly 30 pending free agents on this team. There is a boatload, and now with the uncertainty around the GM Steve Kime, who's on the indefinite leave of absence, if I'm a player in that locker room, and whether it's Adrian Wilson, Quentin Harris, or maybe another GM, and I'm just openly speculating, I have no idea on any front, but... You're darn tuned. I want to put some good final film out there for whoever the decision maker is this offseason. And that's why these four games, is there something to play for? No. At 4-9, the playoffs, out of reach, out of mind. But what does this team look like next season? Who's back? Who's not back? Who's somewhere else? Who's not even in the league? And a lot can happen over these last four games. No question. So you look at the offense. You look at, I mean, just... Even some of the young guys, Zach Allen now with the hand surgery, he's going to at least miss the game this weekend against the Denver Broncos. 
Byron Murphy, another big former draft pick who was having a big year till he had the back injury. There are all these question marks personnel-wise. So you know what? If you're a player, you're well-served to make the decision for them. Prove it to them. Show them. And, and so we'll see what that means because, look, it's going to be cold out there. It's going to be a meaningless game in a lot of ways. Cardinals have yet to pack it in. Okay, knock on wood, the effort, the intensity, the urgency has been there. We haven't had a game like, oh, I don't know, last year at Detroit where they were DOA, dead on arrival, or at home against Carolina, complete lack of energy and urgency. Like two years ago, week 16 against the 49ers or the following week against the Rams. So you're hoping that doesn't happen at any point in these remaining four games. But my radar is up just in case. And I think that's where Colt McCoy comes in. And it's that leadership from him that gets everybody to buy in a J.J. Watt. You saw that on Hard Knocks. So, and, and, and in a lot of ways, I, that is a tribute to Cliff Kingsbury. At the same time, it's been the same issues week after week. And yes, it's vexing and frustrating. And yes, you heard the coach lament as much in the postgame locker room on Hard Knocks that accountability needs to improve. And Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, we talked about this in the offseason, that the previous offseason was all about leadership. You bring in a J.J. Watt, you bring in a Rodney Hudson. What was this past offseason all about? Accountability. Even Hard Knocks itself, we surmised, was adding a layer of accountability. Put everyone on camera. Put your name and face on it. Own it. And it's still an issue to this point. What is the remedy? What is the solution? And and to me, if you can somehow resolve that going into the offseason, that that would be as big as anything. 205 is the kickoff on Sunday, 9:30 a.m. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals 4-9, Broncos 3-10, and, and yes, no Russell Wilson, Brett Rippin, who was signed by the Broncos as an undrafted rookie free agent in 2019, played at Boise State. He is getting the start, his third career start. There's not much film on him, Paul, but if you're Vance Joseph, it's all about, all right, us making sure that we make him uncomfortable in the pocket. He started earlier this season, lost to the Jets in Week 7, only has 96 career pass attempts, three touchdowns, six interceptions. A lot of unknown with Brett Rippon. Yeah, he did have a touchdown last week when Russell Wilson was knocked out of that game with a concussion. But I'm curious on how this defense goes out and about attacking the Broncos on offense when there might be a lot of adjustments after the first offensive series of the game. Somebody needs to uh, get Buda Baker in front of the room uh, because Buda Baker played against Brett Ribbon in high school, according to Buda. So I don't know if game tape or any sort of takeaways might still apply as to the style of game Brett Ribbon plays. But I'm just going to guess – Vance Joseph, knowing his M.O. and liking to bring pressure and numbers against an ultra-inexperienced quarterback uh, at home, you know, the big stage, we'll see, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, here it comes. Here it comes, Buda Baker on a blitz. Here it comes, Zayvon Collins and or Isaiah Simmons mugging the A-gaps or off the edge. I think Brett Ribbons is going to see a little bit of anything and everything by design from Vance Joseph in this game, who, by the way, is going back to the team where he was a head coach for two years. Didn't really want to talk about that. He said he had really no feelings going back. And 
I'll say this. If the Cardinals do win and they walk off that field, my guess is, Vance Joseph, there might be a little bit a little bit extra wider of a smile on his face. Not for the fact that the Cardinals end a three-game losing streak. And I don't think there's any ill will. I, I completely uh, believe Vance Joseph saying, look, you know, great experience, didn't work out, no ill feelings. But you can't tell me, like, deep down inside, especially if you win, all of a sudden you're feeling just a little bit, you know, maybe you're walking up on your toes just a little bit more as you walk out of that stadium. The 2018 game, which was the last time the Cardinals and Broncos played, that was the Von Miller game where Von Miller called his shot. Yeah, I remember that game. It was a Thursday night. Cost Mike McCoy his job. Yep. Vance Joseph was on the other sideline. <laughs> yep. And guess what? Uh, Patrick Peterson was not happy. That was a zone cover game. Pat P wanted the assignment against Emmanuel Sanders on Thursday night in primetime. He didn't get it. Emmanuel Sanders scored on a big chunk play throw against a backup safety, Rudy Ford, I believe. Uh, Fact check that for me, please, someone. But anyway, Pat P, I don't think by coincidence, I never got verification of this, I just surmised that it was the day after when all of a sudden his trade request surfaced. There was a lot of dissatisfaction, and that was sort of the beginning or when it at least bubbled to the top. But, yeah, that was the Von Miller game where he called his shot and the Broncos won by three scores, and that's where things really started to go south, that 2018 season. What, I mean, you look at the all-time series, this is only their 12th all-time meeting and the first time at Denver since 2014. I remember that game. That was Peyton Manning. That was Peyton Manning. And what I remember about that game is I've never heard a stadium so quiet. Peyton Manning would come up, and he would put the arms out. He would motion for silencio. Everyone stifled themselves because I'm running the offense here, and it was like a golf tournament. It was golf quiet, like somebody's about to tee off. It was unbelievable how quiet that stadium was. In fact, the only other time I've heard a stadium that quiet would have been the COVID year <laughs> when it was dead empty. It was dead empty. So, anyway, it was, it was like Peyton Manning was the uh, course marshal at a golf tournament and putting up the quiet please sign. That's basically what he was doing. Was that the game in which Calais Campbell got yes. the interception but was tackled just yep. shy of the goal line by the aforementioned Peyton yep. Manning and never heard oh, the end of yeah. it still to this day? And Calais did not think that was funny. <laughs> he got a lot of ribbing. He did not think that was funny. So we started to kind of go down that path, and when the six foot eight Calais <laughs> gave me the side eye, I changed topics immediately. I changed the tone of my snarkiness. That was also the game where they went after Calais, right? With a cheap shot. Oh, yes. And B.A.'s comment after the game was, that's the cheapest play I've seen in my 30 years of coaching. Going after the knees, yes. So, um, yeah, there was a lot going on. In that game, we'll see about you know this game. It's it's been a Bronco fan base that oh boy, yeah, they've been booing the home team. Uh, obviously, they're disenchanted with both the head coach and the quarterback Russell Wilson, and that is a gift that keeps on giving to the Seattle Seahawks, is it not? Right now, the Broncos have the number two pick, and it belongs to Seattle. So, and that's the and here's what you're going to get on Twitter, and brace yourself. Here's what you're going to get on the post game. Because if the Cardinals lose, they will vault ahead of the Broncos in the draft order. I've already gotten it, Paul. <laughs> I know you have. I know you have. So, um, you know, and, and there's a guy by the name of Jalen Carter who's out there from Georgia, the wrecking ball defensive lineman, who I'm guessing goes number two after Bryce Young as we look ahead to the April draft. So uh, this could be the race, or this could be a game that's very instrumental, not unlike the end of the 2018 season where the Cardinals – where the Cardinals ended up losing to the Raiders. 
And that Raiders comeback win at the very end cost John Gruden the number one pick and Kyler Murray. And Gruden actually lamented that at like the NFL owners meetings in February later. And he talked about how their comeback win put the Raiders at four and put the Cardinals at number one. This is how bad this season has gotten because we haven't even hit Christmas and we're already talking about drafts. Paul, I have seen already early mock drafts and typically you ignore them until the end of the regular season. You ignore them if your team makes the postseason. I don't care. But I did find myself clicking that initial mock draft. Yep. Just, yep. just all of a sudden start to familiar. And I, I stay I, disciplined, I Craig. Don't you, you succumb like to it. the temptation. You I succumb did. to it. Yep. It's sort of like trying to keep your discipline during the holidays and not go back to the cookie plate for a third or fourth time. It's tough. It really is. There's no doubt. You want to look at the draft and you want to have those sugar plums dancing in your head about a dominant defensive wrecking ball lineman who comes in. Or, I don't know, maybe you know a franchise tackle. I, look. Edge rusher. Edge rusher. Oh, thank you. Yes. I, you know what? I, I would put it in that order. Edge rusher, defensive lineman. You know, you're not going to take a center in the top five, uh, but that, that is a priority, I think, in this draft. Top of round two, if you went center, I, I could totally see that. But those are the three areas just off the top. Corner, if you're bringing back Byron Murphy – I don't think it's nearly as much of a need as, as as most would purport it to be. I'm starting in the trenches. Bird Gang, just consider that a tease to what we have for the next four months. That's right. Four months. The draft is not until the end of April, and it's going to make us all remember and want to go back yeah. to last season where you're in the playoffs and you're not too focused on the draft. But to your point, Paul, yeah, there are a number of, of holes on this offense, this defense, and again, a number of questions considering who the quarterback is going to be, the head coach, the general manager, name it. I mean, this could be an offseason unlike any other, and I believe we've talked about previous offseasons going in going, hey, this might be an offseason unlike any other, but I think 2023 is going to see some massive changes. No question. And there's hard knocks to document the last month of this season. So we'll find out exactly, um, you know, exactly what maybe the temperature is around the team. That's a big question. There's been plenty of distractions so far, obviously. So what does that mean? How does that translate into this final month? And some of these these games you see, especially some of these road games. And once again, it, it's going to be cold in Denver and Arizona teams. Don't have a great track record of playing in the cold, so we'll see. That's the first thing I'm going to track <laughs> as the pencil neck sideline reporter. Okay, is the cold a distraction? We'll see. Sometimes it has been historically. You know, not supposed to be any snow or anything like that. But, yeah, the Cardinals have a, a lot of questions. I do like, though, what they've done so far in the run game. I do like the fact that James Conner is more north-south. I do like the fact that they have some different schemes especially between the tackles. And then when it's not between the tackles, they're doing a good job of getting the edge and getting them out on DBs. And James Conner is doing a great job of finishing and punishing those smaller guys. So I I think that is something that can carry over. Just the identity of the run game, the last couple of games where he's over 200 yards combined in the last two outings, that to me has legs, you know, so to speak, is okay. I think they're finding a formula in the run game. And, And we'll see. Once again, you said... 
the Broncos are middle of the pack and run defense, right? Correct. Okay, so we'll see if they can establish something early, obviously, and stay balanced. We all saw what happened when they went to a one-dimensional offense in that fourth quarter against New England. It was hunting season against Colt McCoy. It was not nimble of foot. He doesn't have that escapability. So the run game is vital. Get off to a good start. Build a lead to where, Paul, you can just kind of huddle up next to the heaters and not worry about maybe the bulk of that fourth That's quarter right. because temperatures yep. will drop a low of 18 as I just oh, uh, bothered to check oh. the weather forecast. So I hope oh, you my. are uh, prepared as well on that sideline. Well, I did talk to the specialists. I did talk to Matt Prater and Aaron Brewer because they spend many years in Denver. You know what they said? They said, "Don't Paul, don't even look at the weather forecast <laughs> until Saturday night because Colorado weather can change in an instant. They're like, you don't know exactly what you're going to get until game day rolls around. And even then, it can change from pregame to the fourth quarter. So, But there's going to be probably some swirling winds in there. Prater sort of gave me a wry smile when I asked, do you know the wind patterns in that stadium? He kind of gave me a smile and walked away. So I'm, I took that as a yes, that he knows. Uh, how that stadium works, because that's the way it is in Cleveland. You have to know how to read those wind patterns off the lake. Denver isn't totally unlike that for a kicker. We wish Paul well. We wish the Cardinals well. 205 is the kickoff on Sunday, 930. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.